Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, Mike Abadir, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gino Bicola, and we've got a great show for you today. We're going to do our mid-year NFL report. We'll be joined momentarily by Adrian, the Mad Backer Ross, former Cincinnati Bengals linebacker. And we're also going to talk a little bit of NBA as well. But let me first start with my hot takes for the day, and we'll get into each of them as the show progresses. First off, I'm going to tell you why this year it's Super Bowl or bust for the playoff contenders that are still alive for playoff contention. I'm going to tell you why Jacksonville will make it to the AFC title game, why Carmelo Anthony is not a winner at the NBA level, and why Lonzo Ball, I know it's early, but why Lonzo Ball is a bust. Gino, good morning. And God, what I don't are agree your... with you on any of those. I not knew one, you were not. Not one of those. Not, absolutely <laughs> not one. And let's start with the last one first. Okay. Let's go with Lonzo first because we we haven't talked a lot about basketball over the last couple of weeks. We've had we've seen eleven games now over a few weeks, and I'm I'm a USC fan. So as a USC fan and a Laker fan, when the Lakers drafted Lonzo, I was going, oh man, I got to root for this guy and I got to root for his dad, Lavar. And I think this is where everything starts. We got to remember, Lonzo's is not the one that's out there acting a fool. He's not the one that's out there calling players out. He's not the one that's out there saying he's better than Steph Curry and he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. It's LeVar. If there is no LeVar, we're not this hard on Lonzo. No doubt about it. We he's a great kid. Remember, he's a great this, kid. He yep. is. And, and every player, and I, I'm listen, I know I listen to all the Laker pre- and post-game stuff. I listen to the, the players talk before the game, after the game, the practices. I listen to Luke and the press conferences, all that stuff. They all love Lonzo. He's a good kid, and if you played with him, why wouldn't you like him? He doesn't force the ball. He always tries to get the ball to you and to make you look better. See, I I just think the issue with Lonzo, one, is his dad, and two, it's the way that he plays the game. He is never going to be the type of player that is averaging 20 to 25 points a game. I think even at his best, he's going to be like a 15 points a game guy, probably 15 points, 11 assists. Six or seven rebounds. Look at his numbers right now for a rookie. They are really not bad at all. Lonzo's averaging 8.8 points per game. He is shooting terrible as far as his field goal percentage and his three-point percentage. But he's not forcing shots. He's just missing good shots in the flow of the offense. He's averaging 6.9 assists per game and 6.4 rebounds per game and over a steal per game. So what I like, Mike, is that while he's not scoring 20 and, you know, you see guys like maybe Tatum or Dennis Smith or, um, you know, even marketing some of these guys that are scoring a little bit more right now. But even when he's not playing well, he's still rebounding the ball and he's still getting assists. So I like the fact that he's not sulking. He's still doing things. Let me give you a couple little snapshots, Mike. Okay. 1996-1997, there was an 18-year-old gentleman named Kobe Bryant. He averaged 7.6 points his rookie year on 41% field goal shooting. How about the comp that Lonzo gets a lot of the time? Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd shot 38% field goals as a rookie. 31, uh, 30, uh, 38% as a rookie, 38% 
in year number two. So he shot 38% for the first two years of his career, averaging 11, and then he bumped up to 16 points in his, uh, in his second year. And then Brandon Ingram, who the Lakers drafted last year, he averaged nine points a game last year on 40% from the field. These are young kids. I think we're a little too hard on them now. Remember, 10 years ago, we would never have been this hard on a rookie playing their first 10 games. I think Lonzo's going to be fine. I am not worried at all, Mike. Let me tell you why your comps are, they, they make a lot of sense. And those guys did show amazing improvement year after year. All became really good shooters. Even Jason Kidd was pretty lethal later in his career. Here's the difference. Lonzo Ball couldn't shoot in college. And he doesn't have the willingness to even change his shot. Right? So, I mean, that to me is very concerning. Now, through 11 games, his field goal percentage is the second worst in NBA history. In NBA history. And this is for a first-rounder, high draft pick, the guy that's supposed to be the savior, the guy that's supposed to turn the franchise around. I don't know, man. To me, and he's not super athletic either. So, And Lonzo's one of those guys where it's easy if you just look at the numbers, but when you watch the game and, and I'm, you know, into well, go after every game, when Lonzo has a bad game, look at his plus minus numbers. He'll have games where he scores zero points and he's a positive plus minus. You, that's almost absurd for that to happen. That means he's doing a lot of good things on the floor. He's playing better defense than people thought he's getting involved in the defensive end. I think he's going to grow. And what I like Mike is like what I mentioned earlier he, you don't see him taking bad shots. He's taking the shots that are open. He's maybe missing a little bit. I think what's happened is that because of his shot and because of the fact that he's got that bullseye on his back, you know, he got. we saw him in the first game of the year. He got bodied up by Patrick Beverly. John Wall's already tried to come at him. Um, some of the bigger guys absolutely swat his shots sometimes when he goes through. So I think there's, there's just a little bit of bullseye on Lonzo, guys coming at him. Do you think, perfect example, we we're going to talk to Adrian a little bit, and he's a fan of the Kings. I guarantee you when an NBA star plays against De'Aaron Fox, they're not playing the same way that they are right now against Lonzo Ball. They want to really take it to this kid. And I think that's only going to be good for Lonzo because he's getting everybody's best shot right off the bat. And Luke's let, the, the key is what Luke is doing, Luke is letting him drown in a good way. He's playing a ton of minutes right now. And, you know, when you go through and you look at the the rookies and you just compare to the rookies, as far as minutes per game are concerned, Lonzo's 33.5 minutes per game. The only person he's playing less than is Ben Simmons, who's been incredible. And, I you know, I think that's another issue here. I'm not a, Lon- a huge Lonzo fan. I'm not a Lonzo apologist. I just, I don't think he's been that bad. He's actually been pretty decent. He's impacted the games quite a bit. And I think we'll start to see the scoring go up, go up, go up. When you're the type of guy that's going to, that can average a triple double on any night, we're just not going to see, he's not Russell Westbrook. That's the only thing. He's not going to be a super aggressive guy. A lot of it has to do with his demeanor too. You watch him on the court. I see people tweet, they talk, they say, does Lonzo care? He looks like he doesn't care what's going on. He's just a super laid back guy. Um, I'm well, really, and I was just going to ask you, what do you think of his effort or the perception of his lack of hustle uh, for the entirety of the game? You know, it's and again, when you watch, it's not a lack of hustle. It's just the way that he carries himself. He's fast. He's he's quick. He gets the ball and he goes and he he tracks back to what I like about him. 
like I said, you watch him, he makes a bad play or a bad shot, and he does not sulk. He gets back immediately. I'm, you know, I'm more worried about uh, like thinking about guys on the late long, like for from a Lakers standpoint. I am not worried about Lonzo whatsoever. I mean, I've watched every game, every minute of every game so far, and he while he struggles, he still is confident. He still will play his game, and I, I just it's just going to be baby steps. It's just going to be steps. You know, he's 19 years old. You know, when Kobe was playing, there was no Twitter. When Jason Kidd was playing, there was no Twitter. I'm sure those guys would have gotten absolutely destroyed and dissected and broken down. It just doesn't happen um, nowadays, and Hopefully his dad will just kind of quiet things down a little bit and Lonzo can let the play speak for himself. Because, Mike, you know what? The Lakers are 5-6 and six right now. They're playing pretty good basketball. They're playing better basketball than a lot of people would have expected. They don't have any bad losses. They played pretty well last night against the Celtics. They were down by 20 early on. They fought all the way back. They tied the game. They kept it close. That's the key to me. If, if the Lakers were losing because of Lonzo's struggles, then that gives me more of a red flag. But he's playing, he's playing big minutes, and they're still being competitive. Well, I'll tell you what. There was a, a period in, in yesterday's game where they went uh, against the Celtics' second team. They went six straight possessions without making a basket. I think it may have been more of a case of the Celtics letting up a little bit than the Lakers necessarily playing well. But, you know, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they were, you're right. They're 5-6 and six through 11. Um, I don't know if they've necessarily beaten any quality opponents yeah, they, they so far. Lost, they haven't lost. That's the key. Yeah. They, they have not lost any games to a bad team or any games where they were, you know, up by 15 or 20 and they, they lost a tough game to Portland. Uh, they lost to the Clippers um, on opening night. They lost to the Pelicans in a night when Boogie Cousins was incredible. Uh, they lost to Toronto, who's a good team. They beat Washington, who's a, a top team. They beat Detroit, who's actually the best team in the East right now. So the Lakers have been playing very good. Their defense has been playing much better and they haven't gotten killed. Not once. The key is is what you mentioned and what we saw last night. They're a young team, and they still don't know how to close games out. It's going to be Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, uh, Randall. These guys, they need Kuzma, who's good. They'll figure out how to close the game, who's their closer, their floor spacing, who are going to be the five guys on the court at the end of the game for them right now. They're young. They're growing. And as a Laker fan, I'm, I'm really excited with what I've seen so far. Yeah, this will be a, a difficult, challenging road trip. And then they uh, have a game at Phoenix. And then they come back, I think, for m- the rest of the month. I think they're playing at home. So they'll have an opportunity to get right after this road trip. We'll see what kind of strides they make. And if they can, um, you know, hover around that 500 mark, I'll be pretty impressed. I'll tell you and that much. You, you know, you, you mentioned Boston. That's a good transition for us to move into one of the major NBA topics of the first couple of weeks. You know, we all were watching on opening night when Gordon Hayward goes down with that nasty injury, one of the worst injuries you, you know you'll ever see on TV or in, in a sports in a, in a sporting event. And so they lose that opening night. They come back the next night, still kind of hangover from that big injury. They lose the next night to the Bucks and the Greek freak Giannis. Since then, Boston has won ten in a row. Uh, Kyrie Irving is playing a different game. He's not. You know, you think Kyrie Irving, you think this is a guy who can score 40 points on every night. Well, that's not the way he's playing. He's playing better defense. He's averaging just under 2.2 steals a game, which is second in the league. He's leading this team. Uh, You know, his assist numbers are good, too. He's really bought in Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Jason Tatum. They are, you know, the top tier players for Boston. Marcus Smart and Rozier, they're giving them some nice additions. 
This Boston team is very, very well coached, Mike. This is a good team. Would it be going out on a limb to say that they've got the best head coach in the Eastern Conference? No, I think they have the best head coach in the league, to be completely honest. I do think Popovich is a very good coach. I think their uh, Kerr is a very good coach. But you got to remember, these are guys that are dealing with with kind of better talent, with much better talent. Um, you know, what we've seen Stevens do after the injury to Gordon Hayward and to get guys to buy in like this. Some of the guys that were playing last night are guys that you scratch your head and you've never heard of. Uh, you know, and, and even when they're playing the Lakers last night, they're playing in a game where Al Horford had a concussion and they're playing in a game with Jason Tatum. Their stud rookie only played nine minutes before he came out of the game. He was spotted in a walking boot after the game last night. So those are a couple major major points to keep an eye on for Boston going forward. They've been excellent, but they're not very deep, especially if they're going to have injuries to Horford and to Tatum. So we got to keep an eye on them. But right now, Boston, to me, is head and shoulders the number one team in the East. Then who is the number two? Well, that, that kind of leads us to another topic. How about the Cavs right now? The Cavs are five and six, Mike. They're giving up 113.9 points per game. There are only two teams in the NBA that are allowing more points per game than that. They have horrible. And their point, their point differential is minus four. I mean, that's amazingly terrible for a LeBron-led team after 11 games. And we talked about losses, good and bad losses. They have losses to the Hawks, the Pacers, the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Nets, and the Magic. You know, you go through that team. Those are some of the worst teams in the league. The Hawks are not good. The Nets are not good. Uh, the Pacers are okay. Uh, the, the the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Magic, they've kind of overachieved early on in the year. LeBron is LeBron. He's been as incredible as ever. But then you look at the other pieces on the team. You have an old Derrick Rose who's not playing already. They, they've announced he's going to be out missing, I think, his third game in a row. You have an older Wade who's kind of back and forth coming off the bench. You have an older Kyle Korver, who's just basically a shooter. You have an older Jeff Green. Tristan Thompson's kind of been banged up, and he's been frustrated about uh, playing time off the bench. Jay Crowder, J.R. Smith, Shumpert. I mean, that doesn't sound to me, you know, Kevin Love, I didn't mention he's right there. That doesn't sound to me like a team that's going to make the finals. They will get Isaiah Thomas back, uh, you know, a little later on in the year. We've seen LeBron teams do this before where they flip the switch, but... You know, with all the rumors of LeBron leaving, is LeBron going to say to himself, I, I got to go balls to the walls for this team. I'm going to go kill myself for this team right now, for this group of guys. Do we even have an opportunity to beat Boston, let alone to go and try to beat Golden State? I'll tell you what. I know it's early, but I've got a newfound respect for Kyrie Irving. Because initially I was thinking, is this guy out of his mind to leave playing with the best players player on the planet and go to the Boston Celtics, he's going to fail miserably. But it's been the complete opposite. And I'm not saying that necessarily LeBron needs Kyrie Irving, but I mean, LeBron can't do it by himself. He's averaging almost 29 points a game, yet they're under 500. It's probably a little bit too early. I still wouldn't be shocked if this is a a Celtics-Cleveland matchup in the conference finals. But I'll tell you what, I, I think they're going to have to make some moves uh, as as you get closer to the All-Star break and the trade deadline. Uh, or, or Cleveland may find themselves in too deep of a hole because the Eastern Conference as a whole is a lot better than it was last year or in the years past. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I, 
I'm worried about Cleveland. I am. And I think LeBron's going to leave. I just, I can't imagine him wanting to stay around with this group of guys. But if he does, what does that say about him? I mean, you know, Kyrie went off on his own and he's winning. And now, you know, LeBron is minus Kyrie and he's not winning. So what does that tell you? I, I think one, Kyrie wanted to be the man. And two, I think Kyrie saw the writing on the wall. I think Kyrie knew that LeBron was going to leave. So he he jumped the shark and said, you know what? I'm going to beat you to it. I'm going to go find a place I wanted. You know, there were uh, talks of Kyrie going to Phoenix. He said, no, I want to go to a good team. He, he turned that down. So uh, I, I do respect Kyrie and what he's done because it, it's very easy to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to play with LeBron. I'll sit right next to LeBron. He wanted to do it on his own. And, um, you know, and LeBron from a – I've never – been the biggest LeBron fan, but from a future perspective, you know, he wants to get to LA. He wants to be, you know, a billionaire. He wants to have uh, being have his kind of his hands in all of these different organizations, movies, production, music, all this stuff. I think Le- I do think LeBron's going, and I do think LeBron's going to come to LA. Uh, I really do. The more and more I hear and uh, you hear about it, because when you hear a rumor so much over and over and over and over and over and over again, there's probably going to be some some truth to it right sure no we'll, we'll we'll see at the end of the year before we get to our, our commercial break and and we'll be joined with by adrian ross let me ask you this carmelo anthony is it time for us to recognize that even though he's an all-star talent an all-star performer a perennial all-star he's a great scorer the guy's just not a winner i mean when i take a look and see that the knicks are doing reasonably well without him porzingis is continuing to flourish Poor Zingot. Poor Zingot. <laughs> uh, you know, and then and then he and then he and then he goes o- over to OKC, and OKC is not doing that well right now. I know it's early in the year, but how many years have to go by without us finally realizing that Carmelo Anthony is just not a winner? Now I'm I'm gonna slow the roll a little bit on OKC this year. They're four and six. They've actually lost a couple tough games when and just to kind of use one of your points, when we're talking about Cleveland and their point differential and Cleveland struggling and they're um, they're a minus four points a game, they're getting outscored by four a game, whereas Oklahoma City, even in a four and six early record, they're outscoring their opponents by five a game. So their numbers aren't bad. I think they will even themselves out a little bit. And I, I do think they got screwed the other night when Carmelo got thrown out for that flagrant on an offensive play. That was a, just a terrible call. That, that was bad. They're, what, I, I don't, worry as much about OKC as I do about Cleveland because OKC has the new Mello is a new piece and Paul George is a new piece I think if it was just Mello going to play with with Westbrook I would be a little harder on him but they have multiple pieces that they're trying to fit in like a puzzle so I'm not quite as hard as uh, as hard on them yet I'll give them another week or two till they try to figure things out their rotations their spots on the floor where everyone wants to be whereas I'm a little more hard on Cleveland because that main group knows each other very well and they are just not playing defense at all and they are struggling whereas OKC they're still locking down on defense they're actually averaging uh, they're actually only giving up 96 points a game which is best in the west so I think with those three guys on the court they're always going to be able to keep them in the game defensively um, but I'm, I'm still in the air on Mello. You know, this is the, the make or break year for him. If this Oklahoma city thunder team doesn't make a deep playoff run and Mello doesn't have a very good playoffs, then, then I'm going to be right there with you, Mike. And I'm going to be willing to say Mello's a very good scorer, but he's someone that's just been overrated for most of his career. 
I'll tell you what, let's take our first commercial break, Gino. And when we, when we come back, let's ask Adrian his thoughts on Lonzo, Mello, the Cavs, and also get some NFL. We'll be right back in two minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're talking Western Ambush this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, taking a closer look at all the amazing big game hunting opportunities found in the Western states. Joining us is Jason Matzinger, host of Into High Country, Jill Gector from Cinch Jeans, Dean Capuano of Sawarski Optic Quest, and Freddie Hartice of Hollywood Hunter. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Mike and Gino sitting here talking sports and now joined by Adrian, the Mad Backer, Ross, former Cincinnati Bengals linebacker, fellow NFL sports agent, good longtime friend of mine, and a friend of the show. Good morning, Adrian. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, fellas. How you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Let's uh, let's get right to it. And before we get to the NFL talk, let's let's talk a little NBA, shall we? Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? I don't know how much you were able to hear in, in our last segment. We were talking about whether Lonzo's a bust, whether Carmelo is not a winner at the NBA level, whether we should panic about the Cavs, and we're also complimenting on how well the Celtics are playing and how good their head coaches. Pick anywhere you want to yeah. start. All right. I'll start with the ball. I'll start with uh, Lonzo. Um, you okay. know, I, I, I definitely don't think he's a bust. Um, you know, I think that um, now in sports right now, uh, the association, the league, the leagues <laughs> have all, you know, gotten younger. And I think that we, we see it a lot in all the sports. And, uh, you know, now that um, everything in our lives now has gone to – you know, it's um, everybody has eighty has ADD or ADHD, whatever you want to call it. You know, and we need instant gratification. You know, and, and sometimes we forget that these that these guys are young. You know, and um, there's there's young talent, and I think you know, balls balls one of them. You know, you, you can see the skills that he has at nineteen, and um, he's able to be out there on the floor. So I just see the base foundation that he has. And for me, I'm looking and I can look forward and see the potential, 
that uh, he would have later. Um, you know, well, what do you think about his shot, gonna, though? His shot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a it's an awkward shot, um, but you know, um, if it goes in, just like how they say, <laughs> you know, it goes in. But I'm not really too concerned with guys shooting. I mean, you know, you look at Giannis. Giannis a couple of years ago, like it didn't matter how he looked, like it wasn't going in. And then, you know what I mean. And then Adrian to to put kind of the opposite point. Then you have a guy like Fultz who has come into the year and he's completely changed his shot, revamped his free throw shooting. He's been a little bit hurt and it's in his head now. So they've kind of had to shut him down in Philly for a while. So sometimes the unorthodox shots, you're you're okay leaving them alone. As long as as long as they make it, I think the point that you mentioned is the key. He's just so young. It's the first eleven games, and he has this huge microscope on him because a uh, microscope on him because of his dad. Definitely, yeah. You know, he he definitely has the microscope on him. But for, for me, I think he'd have that anyway. You know, being being the new, I think all new first round picks on any organization has the microscope on them. And or they have the sales cause, because the organization is going to make money off of them, period. You know, but obviously, you know, he's daddy has has magnified that by 100 times. <laughs> Big time. A <laughs> uh, question for you, Adrian. Now, of uh-huh. the of the studs, you mentioned a stud a moment ago, and we've seen a couple real, real studs early on this season. Giannis. How good is Giannis? He's only 22 years old. He's averaging 31.9 points a game. But when you look at guys like Giannis and the next one I'm going to ask you about, Porzingis, the efficiency is what's what's absurd for these guys. Giannis is shooting 60% from the field. Porzingis is shooting 51% from the field. If you had your choice between those two guys to start a to start your franchise, would you go Giannis? Would you go Porzingis? Oh, I'm going Giannis. <laughs> I mean, well, just, just because I know him, know him more. I've been watching him. I I didn't really watch. For I haven't really watched Porzingis yet, but I obviously seeing the stat line and all that, and being that I was a, I am a Dirk Nowinski fan. That's always been my type of player. You know, I like the long, athletic types. And not not that Dirk was that athletic, but the fact that the hard guard that he was, you know, mm-hmm. he, he he can go through the line and hit three throws. He could shoot threes. He can, he could he could face you up. He could uh, back you down, you know. And so those guys, but Giannis, the speed at which he could dribble, um, and then I think that he could do everything that Porzingis can do. I don't think Porzingis has the speed. I think that he'd have a little bit of advantage there. Um, you know, because Kid was using him at point guard, um, so I, I would take him. But that those are the types of guys. You know, I was a Scottie Pippen fan. I've always loved the long, length, lengthy guys that um, can go out and have it have it be for a difficult time for their opponents. So my my thing is Giannis for MVP, baby. <laughs> <laughs> The Greek freak. I got him on my fantasy team. I had the number one overall pick this year, and I had to go Giannis. He's just he just continues to step forward uh, each and every year. And uh, and then Adrian, you know, you mentioned um, off off uh, air right, but we uh, right before we came back from the break, you're going to a game tonight, and you're going to be able to see some of the studs. You're gonna you're gonna get a look at the 76ers and the Kings play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to you know seeing seeing the you know. The Sixers are really young. The Kings are really young, but they have that, 
you know, they have a vet, they have the veteran, you know, they have a Vince Carter in there with George Hill and, and then my man Zebo, you know, down in the paint, you know, and I'm just, the last game I was at when they uh, took out um, the Thunder, you know, I was just, I was just up there yelling, like telling Willie Colley Stein and take notes, you know, like you, you have a nice teacher in Zach Randolph right now that can, um, that can give that big man some game. And I don't know if that's his game. I heard that that's what he worked on this off season, talking about Willie Colley Stein. Um, but for me, you know, I, I want to see more from him. You know, I, I think that guys like that get passes, right? Like we'll we'll get on uh, ball, and you know, we'll talk about all these other guys when they come in. But we have all these other former first round picks that it's like, well, like what are you doing? You know, like what, like when are you going to get better? Like when are you going to be, you know, show me some more production? And if the Kings can get some more production, I feel out of out of Collie Stein. You know, I think that uh, they'll be the. They're already a team on the rise, but I think that uh, they'll win even more games. And then um, I haven't been able to see the uh, Sixers. I've been hearing a lot about Ben Simmons and especially uh, uh, Joel Embiid. So I'm really looking forward to the game uh, tonight. And Fox, um, you know, I mean, he might be just as fast as Westbrook, moving that ball up the court. That's some lofty praise there. <laughs> How do you guys feel about it? Well, you know, the key for me is I actually, as a Laker fan, I wanted the Lakers to draft Fox ahead of Lonzo, just watching them in college coming out. Because what I like about Fox, and this has kind of been the knock on Lonzo a little bit more, those two guys, their attitudes and their demeanor could not be more different. Lonzo is a real laid back, go with the flow. He never gets rattled, but he never seems like he's really... It, it, like he doesn't seem like he's focused on what he's doing, which is not the case at all. Alonzo's definitely locked in. But then you look at a guy like Fox, and you will visually see his emotion on the court. He's a guy that will cry if he loses a game afterwards. And I like that as a fan or as a coach or as someone in, uh, involved with the team because you can't teach someone to care about something they don't care about. You can't say, hey, care more about this game. We want you to try harder. You can kind of harness the energy that Fox has and maybe direct it in the right spot. But I love the way that he plays the game, man. He just goes balls to the wall, and uh, he goes back and forth. And he, he is just like Westbrook. He really is. Oh, that was a great assessment right there. I, I I totally agree with you, you know. And and again, just like you said, it's a personality thing. You know, um, I was a player that was very emotional, but I wasn't going to be rah-rah before the game, right? I wasn't going to come up and give the team speech or whatever, but when we get out on the field, I'm going to show all the emotion and hype and all that. And I think that that's the comparison of the two, because when you look at both of them, they they still both have that problem of finishing, yep. right? I think, but it just looks different, right? Fox is going a hundred miles an hour and then, Oh, it goes off the rim or, Oh, he missed that. And then they make some of them. And then with, Lonzo, it's like, it seems like it's almost that Randy Moss, lackadaisical, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, oh, that went off the rim, you know, and then you don't, it's just, it's just a personality thing, but the results are really the same. He's like that laid back Cali guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there you go. You know, he's Cali boy, baby. <laughs> yep. Yep. As long so, as hey, he's before- not stealing anything in China, I'm okay. So, you know. That's a scary situation. <laughs> That's a scary situation. I got to blame UCLA on that one. I mean, I don't even know how you let your kids in a foreign country, you know, go off. And I mean, I don't know the circumstances really, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that that 
situation gets resolved pretty quickly. I'm sure he's gotten a life lesson in a big, big way. I can't imagine what those jail cells are like in China. <laughs> Man. Before we before we shift out of the NBA, uh, is it too early to panic about uh, the Cavs? Ooh. Not really. Not really. I mean, because when you come with all these different players and it's a different year, I mean, we know who Braun is, you know, and uh, some of the other guys. But I think when you, you know, change the makeup of your team, I mean, especially, you know, dealing with your point guard who's been there for a while. And then we look at later on, they're going to be implementing Isaiah back into the, well, not back into, he hasn't even been there yet. Um, so I think that there needs to be a little bit of panic, <laughs> you know, because yeah, I mean, we I all were talking about the, uh, um, East not being, you know, not being that tough, but we're kind of seeing that might not be the case. And it's, it's always, uh, not that you lose, it's how you lose, you know, and I wouldn't be, you know, worried if, if Cleveland was five and six and they lost a couple buzzer beater games to some good teams, but they've been getting beat up by some teams that are not having good years. You know, they lost to the Hawks. They lost to the Nets. They've lost to the Pacers already. The Knicks, the Pelicans and the Magic, you, you go through. That's not necessarily a murderer's row in the NBA right now. And they're getting outscored right. by four points a game and they have the the third worst defense in the league. They're giving up just under 114 points per game. I mean, when you step on the court and you know you're already going to give up 114 and you got to get to 115 to win, you're probably not going to win many games. Definitely. Like, that's that that's it right there, defense. And, and that's what I've looked at. That's why I look at, like, the makeup of most teams is, like, how, how are they going to be able to stop people? You know, we see the scores they have out there, and it seems like that's what they've been trying to make an effort of over the years, over the last two years, especially last year. It seemed like all of a sudden it became these volume three-point shooters, and that's really what they were, was a three-point shooting team. Um, and I don't necessarily think that that's, that's the strategy for them. And, you know, with uh, Kevin Love, you know, he, he's, a, he, he's always been a great rebounder, but, you know, when you can put some size on him and they were, they've been playing with the lineup with Tristan Thompson out of it, you know, um, I don't know. They, 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 have, they have some problems that they need to work out over there. Very true. Very true. Uh, you know, I could talk with you about the NBA all day, but let's shift our focus to the NFL. There's a lot to get to and we want to do our mid-year NFL report. Let me start with a take on the division leaders, and then we'll break down division by division each of the races. So I was taking a look at the division leaders in an NFC, Philadelphia, Minnesota, the Saints, and the Rams. Out of those teams, there's only one quarterback that ever has had a playoff victory, and that's Drew Brees. And he obviously won the Super Bowl. From the wildcard teams, you have Carolina and Dallas. Prescott still hasn't won a playoff game yet. Carolina's got to the Super Bowl with Newton. Now you shift to the shift to the AFC, and you have the Patriots, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Kansas City. Now out of those teams, Mariota's never won a playoff game. Brady's won a Super Bowl. Roethlisberger's won a Super Bowl. Alex Smith, I was surprised to find out that he only has one lifetime playoff victory, and that was when he was with the 49ers when they upset the Saints all the way back in 2011. The wildcard teams, you got Buffalo and Jacksonville, so you got Taylor and Bortles. So... Basically, what we're saying is it's either Super Bowl or bust. 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> you either have guys that have never won a playoff game or that have won the Super Bowl or, in Cam's case, gotten to the Super Bowl. And the one team that's on the outside looking in, which I still think will make the playoffs, is the Seattle Seahawks. And they got Russell Wilson, who did win a Super Bowl. So I don't know if I've ever seen that where you have a bunch of quarterbacks that have either not won a, a single playoff game in their career or Super Bowl winners, or at least Super Bowl appearances in Cam's case. So it's kind of an interesting midway point that we get to here, um, but also tells you a lot about the state of the NFL quarterbacks. It's all the old geezers that are that are still kind of uh, dictating the show. What are your thoughts, Big A? Yeah, it is. I mean, like that's you broke it down very well, Mike. It's... Um... I said this a couple weeks ago when I was talking to one of my old teammates and I said, you know, you just said it where what the state of the league is now, you know, it's like we've been used to these star names and that's what the league pushes. And, you know, they're, they're always able to tell us, I mean, you figure Flacco was going to the Super Bowl. They're, they're, they're right there in second, but the record's not really good. Um, you know, you have a young Watson who's now out for the season. Um, Rogers <laughs> is out. Luck's not there. Andrew Luck's out. Um, you know, Car Car is right there on the outside looking in. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's 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 a mix of some of the old, but really, it's it's a new day. It's a new day, and fans like us are still used to. <laughs> That 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 old National Football League, um, it's new rules. You said it like the Mariotas and all these guys, and the old heads are still there kicking. <laughs> and but but more so than it's just the quarterback, Mike. I think it's it has to do with coaching. You know, I think college. You know, we can we we can really talk about quarterbacks and and talent and the play. Uh, obviously, the talent matters, but um, I also look at you know. If you to go back and do that again, you look at the Patriots at the top, and you go with Belichick. You look at Pittsburgh with Tomlin. Uh, you have a Malarkey who's from Pittsburgh in Tennessee. Um, well, how about the Rams the with McVeigh? What they've done this year? I mean, that's that's all coaching. There you go, and that's that's. But and we're only seeing that on the offensive side. We're seeing all the young. Same thing in Philadelphia, right? You're getting a young, uh, not necessarily a younger. Co- young coach, but, you know, newer, younger coach than a lot of these other older heads, former quarterback that's coming with some new plays, and he's coming with plays for his young quarterback that fits him instead of all these old heads that are trying to think they keep acquiring someone to fit their old system. That's a great point. Even more than than the quarterbacks, I think it's the coaching that, uh, that matters at the pro level. I think that's a great point. And, Gino, the point that you bring up with the Rams is a great point, too, because I'm not necessarily sure that Goff is. No, he, <laughs> What's the he's, word? He, he's still he's, he's not quite there yet. I mean, Goff isn't Aaron Rodgers or Goff isn't Tom no. Brady or he's not there yet. But just what Adrian said, McVay is putting him in a spot to succeed. He's not making Goff make bad play, make make hard throws, make throws that he can't make. He's running plays and schemes that fit him versus last year. They did the complete opposite. I mean, Goff had no chance last year in that offense with Jeff Fisher. This offense is built around them. They're playing well. And then now, as what happens with a lot of the good offenses, 
in the middle of the season, your defense starts to play a little bit better. And now look at the Rams. Their last few games, their defense has been playing better. The Rams have the, the number one point differential in the NFL. And they had an over-under set at the beginning of the year of six. And they are six and two right now. So that, that's pretty incredible. They have been, if not the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises. And I think you'd have to say that McVay would be uh, right on the short list for coach of the year right now because, I mean, they, they've just been awesome. And as a Rams fan, I, I like seeing it. But they're, you know, you watch them game by game. And every time they win, you, you know, you believe a little bit more. You go, this team is a little bit better than we think. The, the NFL is not necessarily have any dominant teams right now. You even look in the N- in the NFC, who are you really scared of? You know, Philly's good, but they don't really terrify you. Seattle's not right. even in the playoffs right now. New Orleans good, but they're kind of new onto the scene. This is a wide open year. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a commercial break. And when we get back, let's ask Adrian as to, uh, you know, that point that you brought up there. Let's go division and, and, by division. Yep. And we'll also ask who is his surprise pick for the first half, and can they carry that on through the second half as well? We'll be right back after this commercial break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. You're sitting with Gino, Mike, and Adrian talking NFL. And Gino, why don't you walk us through each of the divisions, and and let's talk about who are the surprise teams of the first half and who can carry it on into the second half. In the AFC East, we got the Pats up top at 6-2. and two. Uh, Buffalo's been a pretty good 
surprise team too, and that's again coaching McDermott. They're five and three. They just had a bad loss though to the Jets. Miami might be the worst four and four team in the history of football. They've been outscored one seventy nine to one sixteen by sixty three points, and uh, they have some horrible losses. And their wins: they beat the Chargers because of a missed field goal. They beat the Titans when they when Matt Castle was starting. They beat Atlanta when the Falcons blew a seventeen point lead, and they beat the Jets scoring seventeen points in the fourth quarter. So they could easily be zero and eight. <laughs> But they're they're four and four, and then the Jets. I, I think you got to give a, a shout out to the Jets. Their over under for wins for the full season was three and a half. Todd Bowles has done a very good job with them. Remember the the kind of the uh, the rumor before the season was: Are the Jets going to win a game this year? People kept talking about the Pats going sixteen and zero and the Jets going zero and sixteen. They're four and five, and they've been hanging around. It's an AFC East that looks like it's starting to do what we thought with the Patriot with the Patriots kind of jumping back up top. Yeah, and I'm not sure that uh, there's going to be much of a competition in that division the rest of the way out. You know, Buffalo may be able to hang on for a wild card card spot. That's going to be ultra competitive, obviously. And uh, you know, I would say probably the same thing in the uh, in the North as well with Pittsburgh. I mean, I think they're going to be a runaway winner in that division as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think yeah, you only have uh, yeah Buffalo right there because they have a pretty good defense and they'll be able to stop a lot of people and give the ball back to the offense and edge out some games. I think it's, yeah, it's pretty much in control of those Pittsburgh and New England. <laughs> same, same old, same old story, huh? Exactly. And I'm going to give you guys, in the AFC South is where my uh, surprise pick comes in, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Surprise as in going into this season. I know last year there were some people that were saying they could be a surprise team and they didn't make it happen last year. Going into this year, I think the expectations are a little bit more reasonable. But I'm going to tell you guys why they will be in the AFC title game. So they're in an easy division. And probably the best quarterback in that division was a rookie, Watson. He's out. He's out for the year. Oh, I know. And you were talking about quarterbacks, Mike. Just go through that division. You have Mariota, who's good, but he's he's also been a little banged up this year. You have Bortles, who's for Jacksonville, who you know they've just been limiting him. And then you've got Savage and Brissett. That is not a strong division when it comes to quarterback play. N- not at all. And so you might be surprised as to why I'm back in Jacksonville, and I'm going to tell you why. Believe it or not, they actually have the best point differential in the AFC. More than double the point differential of the Patriots, right? So they're they're a plus 89 on the season. They've scored 206 points. They have 117 against them, right? Now they run a base 4-3 defense. They're a defensive-oriented team, and they've got a good running game. Actually, the running game is first in the NFL. Uh, I believe they're at right around 166 yards per game, uh, leading the way with Fournette, Chris Ivory, TJ Yeldon. And defensively, they could put they could pressure the quarterback. They're only giving up 14.6 points per game, and they're just a sack machine. I mean, when I say pressuring the quarterback, it could come at you from so many different angles. Calais Campbell might be the defensive MVP in the NFL this year, leads the league with 11 sacks. Dante Fowler Jr. chimed in with five and a half of on his own. On his own. Uh, Yannick Naku, six and a half. Good linebackers, and Adrian, I'm sure, could chime in on Telvin Smith, Miles Jack. Paul Poznowski, and their secondary is really good too, leading the way with Barry Church and Tayshawn Gibson, Jalen Ramsey. I know that Adrian shared a soundbite of how badass Jalen Ramsey is and A.J. <laughs> Bowie. 
So, you know, <laughs> and they've got an easy schedule, easy division. I'll just quickly go over their schedule. They got the Chargers at Cleveland, at Arizona, the Colts at home, Seattle, Houston, San Francisco, Tennessee. Tennessee they is the four, only team. Four gimme games. They have four Tennessee's games. Tennessee's the only playoff team out of that mix. So at 49ers, Houston with no Watson, the Colts, and the Browns. They're they're gonna play four of, if not the four worst teams, four of maybe the six or seven worst teams in the league. And they're already at five and three. Their over-under was only six and a half. I mean, it will be hard for them to not get to nine, nine, ten wins automatically. Yeah, I think they're an 11-win team, maybe even a 12-win team. And defensive teams with good running games succeed in January. What are your thoughts, Adrian? Well, yeah, I mean, you broke it down exactly uh, correctly right there. They have the easy schedule. Um, this was a team that I liked. Um, I've liked a couple years because I like defense, obviously. And I just think that they, you know, they had lost. I think Fowler had hurt his knee when they drafted him. Um, just stuff wasn't going right with Bortles on the offensive side. They didn't have the run game. Now they got Fournette there. He doesn't even have to play, and they're winning. So this is how you or do it when pictures. you get him. And it's, huh? Or take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and so once you get, I mean, you have him there, and just like you said, as it starts to get cold, as we start to get to this this ball, the run game is very important. Uh, but they have the defense, and they have they have depth. Um, one of the best acquisitions that they acquired last year was Boye from the Texans. So <laughs> they were able to acquire one of the better corners from someone in their own division. And you see now with the Texans, who I think for me was going to be, that was my pick to go. Um, I mean, now you have Watson out. Uh, you trade away Brown after he's been holding out the whole time. And I didn't like that they really didn't get anything for him. I guess, what, did they get Lane? I think they got the other corner. So it's letting you know the problems that the Texans are having, having been the former number one defense of last year. And, um, and, it's, and it's showed, you know, like they've uh, changed, the Texans have changed uh, defensive coordinators. Um, they're losing, what, they've lost two last second games. You know, I mean, just let Tom Brady just throw a bomb to the end zone to win the game. And then they let, uh, they let uh, Russell Wilson put 34 points up on the number one defense. They scored 41 or something, but I think it was a pick six or some kind of turnover that wasn't on the defense. But too many points given up over there the Texans. I totally agree. I feel Jacksonville just walks away with this one. Let's, uh, let's do some rapid fire uh, for the uh, the rest of the divisions as we go through. The, the AFC West, Kansas City started off the year awesome. Uh, they, they beat the Pats. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Redskins. They've, uh, they've slowed down a little bit. They've lost three of the last four. Kareem Hunt, he's only had nine carries in two of those losses. So they're slowing down a bit. Their upcoming schedule, they got the, the Giants, the Bills, the Jets in the next few. So they might be able to get right. Um, KC six and three, Oakland's four and five. The Chargers are three and five. The Broncos are three and five. Uh, Adrian, who do you like best coming out of that division? Going with coaching, going with Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs, and the defense. And then uh, we'll we'll jump into the NFC. I love I love that Adrian uh, listened to me with the rapid fire. Thank you, thank you, AD. <laughs> uh, and uh, NFC East, the best team in football right now. They're the Eagles. Uh, their over-under was only 8.5 to start the year. They've already won eight games. Uh, their only loss came at Kansas City, so that's a good loss, and they lost 27-20 that day. They have a 104-point differential. This is just a good football team. Wentz has taken the next step. They have five times um, in their 
in uh, the history of the franchise, they've started eight and one, and all five times they at least made the NFC Championship. The last time they they started this well, they actually made it to the Super Bowl with D Mac uh, and T O. The Redskins are four and four. The Giants are one and seven. The Cowboys are five and three. And what's key about this AD is the uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles still have to play twice. But we have no idea what's happening with Zeke. Lots can still change in this division. Definitely. And I'm glad you said that because I'm public enemy over here. Don't believe the hype. I'm going with the Cowboys beating the Eagles. I think the makeup of how they are, I think they could beat the Eagles and and win that division. And, you know, everyone's <laughs> talking about Wentz and Dak is just as good. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, you know, but I think it's the makeup up front. I think the Eagles D-line is smaller. Uh, Fletcher Cox is doing his thing, but, you know, I think they're small on the ends. They're very effective, and they're doing all that rotating. That's all cool, <laughs> but I think if the Cowboys, now Zeke is a key element of it. You know, I'm, I'm talking Zeke being there. If they can get after them in the run game, it changes. I think it'll change the way that they play. You know, they've, they've been able to play their game and be able to get out in front and be able to keep the games close. Um, you know, if if uh, Dallas, I think, will be able to be much larger than them up front. They're much larger than everybody, but especially Philly. And uh, to me, that should be their game plan against them. I think that how Dallas is built, I think they can handle the Eagles. Let's move on to the NFC North, another division where there's just uh, not a lot of good quarterback play, especially with Aaron Rodgers out. So right now you have the Vikings that are leading the way and uh, Detroit kind of right behind them. Detroit's probably the only team in that division that's got a, a true you know, superstar type quarterback in Stafford. Uh, who wins that division? That's the tough one right there for me. I haven't been able to see the Vikings too much. I've another team I love their defense. Love 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 what they do all the way around. Their backers, their front, their secondary. Um the surprise in that division for me has been the Detroit Lions defense. Uh Grover Quinn back there in the secondary, Slay. Um they've been doing a good job, but mm, Miles Killer has mm, been been doing pretty well too. Good young safety over there. Definitely. Um, yeah, I can't, can't, can't call that one. Um, I mean, you know, six and two, four and four. Good. What's tough about this division for Minnesota, their next five is going to, is going to tell the tale of their season. They go at Washington Rams at the lions, at the Falcons, at the Panthers for the next five on the road. And then their home game is against the Rams. So Minnesota, if they can go three and two, even two and three in those five, They'll be in, in good shape. And Teddy Bridgewater will be the backup this weekend. He will be suited up, and he will be backing him up. So um, they're getting a little healthier now. The key is these next five games. they got to get through it like three and two, two and three. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think if Bridgewater comes back healthy, that, that's the wild card there. I think that all of a sudden, if, if he comes back and he's close to old form, I think that puts uh, the Vikings in, in a pretty dangerous position in the NFC. Uh, let's yeah. move on to uh, the NFC South. That one is, is a very intriguing division because you have the Saints, Panthers, Falcons, and, and Bucks. Bucks are probably the biggest disappointment in that division. I thought they'd be a lot better than two and six at this point, but you got the Saints at six and two, Panthers at six and three, and Atlanta at four and four. Who wins that division? I'm gonna have to just say the Saints. Um, as much as I don't like to say that, 
um, but you know what's going on in Carolina. I mean, I was I was shocked that they got a win last week. Um, you know, Cam's legs took him there. I think he had eighty something yards rushing, like eighty four yards rushing or something. Uh, but I just don't know what's going on with Mike Shula and his play calling over there. I, you know, um, the the health of the defense over there, Keekley, you know, he think he he's back. Um, he's close to being done with another concussion. Julius Peppers is getting off. Uh, but they're the closest ones right there. Uh the Falcons, um haven't been able to, you know, yet Julio dropping the ball last last week. They're not being able to put up points. Uh Sarkeesian's been under a little pressure over there, but uh the Saints Saints have their formula, like you said, veteran quarterback. Uh, Sean Payton, they're sitting there six and two. I, I think that I don't think that no one's gonna be able to catch them. I don't see Carolina. Yeah, that'll be tough. That'll be tough. Yeah, Big A. We got thirty seconds. Did the Rams hang on to win, or or does Seattle win that division? I think Seattle wins that uh, division. Um, I think the OG vets over there get it done, Seattle style. And how about a revised Super Bowl pick? Now that we're at the mid-year point. Woo! Super Bowl pick now. Huh. And same for you, Gino. Let's close with our with Super Bowl picks. Well, I'm going to go, go Seattle. Ahead. Even though they're not in right now, this feels like a Seattle year. I think they're going to get right towards the end of the year. I think the Rams will play them tough, but I think Seattle is going to win. I do like the addition to the offensive line. So Seattle for me from the NFC and from the AFC, uh, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with Berg, too, my boy Joey Porter and company over there. And um, I'll go with, dang, I can't even call it. And uh, I'll go with Seattle as well. Well, there you have it, folks. We're up against the clock, so we got to wrap this up here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Big A. Definitely appreciate your analysis, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.